0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Fiduciary Investors Series podcast. I'm Amanda White, Director of Institutional Content at Connexus Financial and editor of top1000funds.com. I'm joined today by Joel Prohun, who is Director of the Portfolio Management Division at Case de Depot in France. Joel heads the Portfolio Management Team and is responsible for €170 billion Euro across fixed income, equities, real estate, and private equity. He manages five asset management teams and 60 staff with most of the assets of the fund managed internally. Joel is also a member of the French Institutional Investors Association's Strategic Committee. Welcome, Joel. Thanks for your time.
1: Hello, Amanda.
0: So, Joel, we're living in very extraordinary times. How are you holding up? How are things in France?
1: In fact, we switched to teleworking very rapidly within less than one week. Each asset manager in my team was equipped with a laptop, with all the softwares and accesses, despite the fact that they had only a desktop previously. Even if it's not that easy to work with only one tiny screen, it works. And we adapted our procedures accordingly.
0: So you manage a significant amount of assets in-house. I'm interested in how that's going with these new working conditions and How are you communicating with each other, and how are you executing on the investment strategy?
1: In fact, every day uh, I hold half of an hour web conference with all my deputies, the heads of the different desks, uh, in order to take uh, stock of the current situation, what is going on on the markets, which trades we did, and perhaps even more important, how each team is going, health, material. Uh, behavior and so on. It's a time of uh, exchanges and we appreciate uh, all the communicating devices which help us uh, to maintain the link. And at each level, each head of desk has a similar, similar appointment with uh, his team daily.
0: So let's talk about the portfolio for a moment. Um, can you tell me about your attitude to rebalancing as a result of the recent equity market declines and what are some of the disciplines and processes around that?
1: We were able to catch the opportunities on the markets, especially during the last weeks of March, when the equity markets and the credit markets uh, offered attractive entry prices. In fact, at the end of uh, 2019 and in the beginning of 2020, we were underweighted in equity and in uh, uh, corporate uh, credit. We preferred to take some profits in our equity portfolios to achieve a large part of our 2020 realized gain budget, uh, taking advantage of the high level of the equity markets in January and February. That's why when we had uh, the possibility to invest, uh, when the prices dropped uh, rapidly, we had uh, the money to do so.
0: So liquidity seems uh, like it's under control. Do you have any liquidity concerns?
1: A liquidity concern? No, not really. In fact, uh, uh, CDC collects uh, 60% of the French specifically regulated saving accounts. And since French people are confined, they don't spend a lot. And we have observed significant inflows for the last two months. Uh, Moreover, CDC has an access to the ECB facility in case of emergency, but we don't use it.
0: So are you making any specific allocations with the portfolio as a result of the current market conditions? Do you view opportunities differently and are you being tactical around that?
1: No. As a long-term investor, we maintain our asset allocation as it was. Uh, Inside each asset class, nevertheless, we are more selective in order to point to segments or to specific holdings or names which are more in adequation with the current turmoil.
0: So let's just uh, think about risk for a moment, Um, perhaps putting your French Institutional Investors Association hat on. What are you seeing as the biggest risks to investors' portfolios right now?
1: Uh, IFDC, the French Institutional Investors Association, conducts every quarter a short survey about risks, asset allocation and so on. And uh, we conducted this survey at the end of March, so it was particularly relevant to your question. And today, by far, macroeconomic risks linked to the current sanitary situation and economic shutdown are seen as the most prominent, prominent ones.
0: So with that in mind, I mean, specifically at CASE, what are you doing to uh, account for that risk? Are you Hedging things differently? Are you looking at how you're allocating in any different way from a risk lens?
1: It's difficult to speak on behalf of all the different uh, uh, institutional investors because they are in very different uh, positions. Some of them need to uh, uh, generate some liquidity, but yeah, on average, uh, most of them. Uh, take the same stance as we do, that is to maintain on the long run the asset allocation and to uh, try to uh, reorient uh, their investments towards uh, uh, economic uh, um, places where uh, or economic sectors which are perhaps more adapted to the current situation.
0: So, so let's change course slightly and perhaps on the back of of what you're talking about in terms of being a long-term investor, the COVID-19 global health and economic crisis has really highlighted the need for leadership and capital to be urgently targeted towards the vulnerabilities in the global economy. And this means the issues of sustainability really have never been more important. And it's an important time for investors to be collaborating for better corporate behaviours and economic outcomes. So, Some of the sustainability topics are really coming to the fore right now if we consider the role of stewardship and human capital as a priority, the deepening inequality and the associated social unrest with that or potential social unrest, supply chain risks, how COVID-19 has highlighted the need for action urgently on climate change and the need for SDG alignment around global health risks and opportunities. Can you give me your view on how sustainability as a long-term issue can be prioritized at a time when short-term risks and survival are taking priority for many investors?
1: That's really a very good question and a strong challenge. Uh, We saw during the global financial crisis that uh, the COP held in Copenhagen in 2009 was uh, in fact a failure uh, due to the uh, that uh, the financial crisis was in, in the mind of everybody and uh, climate issues, for instance, just to name them among other uh, ESG issues uh, were at the second uh, place. Today, in fact, the situation is different because instead of being only a peripheral uh, concern, ESG is now in the center of uh, the business model of many, many investors. And moreover, uh, during this uh, current crisis, uh, ESG funds or in ESG investment styles uh, proved to be more efficient, more resilient than the standard ones. And so uh, I'm pretty more confident not 100% of course but pretty more confident that those issues could still be a priority for uh, institutional investors.
0: The, the EU taxonomies represent a common language for new rules around financial markets for environmentally sustainable investments. Can you tell us how this has informed the way you manage money and make decisions and, and perhaps where possible give us some examples around that?
1: Of course. Uh, the, EU, the eu taxonomies are very useful tools to avoid the bad situation we faced for the last year about what is green and what is not green but frankly speaking it won't change dramatically the way we manage our portfolios our main goal is to align our portfolios to the paris agreement and to switch the trillions not only to invest a limited part of our assets in green sectors but of course, but also what we are doing. For instance, last year we invested in green bonds uh, twice the share of the new insurance on the marketplace. Uh, in real estate, all our the buildings we bought uh, last year were with uh, green labels, and uh, we adopt uh, we adopted also very strong uh, commitments and uh, uh, we during the general assembly meetings we support uh, uh, also uh, decisions going in the direction of uh, the climate change just to give some examples in different areas
0: perfect and 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 let's have a, a chat about climate in particular how is how is case approaching the path to carbon neutrality by 2050, and what can you tell us about how other investors might be able to learn from your leadership position?
1: CDC took a very strong commitment in 2019, in September, by becoming a founding member of the United Nations Convened Net Zero Asset Owner Alliance. This initiative groups more than 20 of the world's largest investors. Uh, For instance, there is Allianz, CalPERS, CDPQ in Canada, Volkswagen, AXA, Aviva in UK, generally in Italy, CNP, FRR in France, and so on. We join our forces in three main areas. Firstly, we are defining a methodology to establish a path towards this carbon neutrality. That's a huge work since we aim to cover all asset classes, all sectors, to avoid the double counting. And that's very difficult to do. And that's why it's important to to group to achieve this goal and to define a pathway until 2050. Secondly, we engage the companies we're invested in. We liaise with other initiatives as uh, Climate Action 100 Plus, since all our members are also part of this initiative, which is larger, this initiative uh, groups also asset managers and other investors, which are not part of the AOA, but it's very important to uh, uh, liaise our efforts. and thirdly, we engage the policymakers and all the regulatory bodies in order to push them to build a global regulatory, political and economic framework more adapted to the Paris Agreement.
0: Sounds like some good examples of, of what investors can achieve when they bandy together as well. Uh, thank you for that, Joel. Finally, I'm, I'm keen to hear from you how you see that the global economy has changed with this pandemic and how how it will change because of this pandemic and what the future might look like and how you might invest as a result of that projected future?
1: Hmm. One would be very presumptuous to forecast what will be our future. (laughs) We are still in the midst of the storm. Uh, We can only trace some very general guidelines, uh, three in a nutshell. First one about the ongoing support from the central banks. Even before the pandemic, it was very, very difficult for the central banks to remove the strong support they gave to the economy during the global financial crisis, and even more today. That means, for us, that we can forecast core sovereign interest rates at a very low level for an even longer time horizon. Second point about globalization. Even if it's very unlikely that we can switch rapidly from the globalization we live uh, with uh, to a new localized uh, economic system, we can expect that the threats we face today would lead to a lower dependency towards suppliers in some key economic domains. Of course health, but also food, perhaps IT, And so on. And thirdly, about our economic growth style. This is more a wish than a provision. I hope that this crisis could be a unique opportunity to redirect our efforts, our economic supports, our targets toward a more sustainable development. That is, it's really something large institutional investors agree upon. Uh, we are on the same agenda in that area. So let's push forward these ideas for our benefit and more important, the benefit of our children.
0: I agree with you, Joel. Uh, If this pandemic and crisis can result in better behaviours and and better outcomes for all, then it's uh, not going to be for nothing. Joel, you're very been very generous with your time and it's been a a great delight to speak with you thank you very much
1: thank you amanda